Good morning. Happy Mother's Day to all our mothers. Would you give them a hand? Come on. That's right. You know, I am. Uh, I have really never preached a Mother's Day message in all of my years of teaching and preaching because I've always been kind of this guy that was always like just, uh, you know, whatever the normal thing is, I'm going to do something that's not normal. That's kind of why we have series like this and things like that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this year... I decided that I was going to uh, teach a Mother's Day message in this series of That's Not Normal. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this title, and you moms will really like writing this title down. The title is Your Mom is a Model. (laughs) Did you know that mothers... (laughs) You guys are a little slow this morning. I get it, right? Oh, I get it. All right. Mother's Day was started by a lady by the name of Anna Jarvis and was made an official holiday by President Woodrow Wilson in 1914. So Mother's Day is almost 100 years old. Mother's Day is the biggest day for long-distance calls. $2.6 billion will be spent on flowers. $1.5 billion on gifts and restaurants. $68 million on greeting cards. 7.8% of the jewelry industry's annual business is done on Mother's Day. So thanks, Mom, for being who you are, doing everything you do. The economy thanks you as well. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want you to go ahead and turn to the the 126th Psalm. We're going to read that here this morning. And you can also follow along on the YouVersion app. Don't forget that. And if you were unaware, just go on the YouVersion app, which is on your Apple or Android device, and search for a live event. You'll see that in your menu. And uh, this message should pop up, and you'll actually be able to follow along in the notes. Psalm 126, we're going to read in verse 4. Now, uh, this is actually talking about a return to Zion, but I'm going to put a little different spin on it this morning and show you the principle here. Psalm 126 and verse 4 says, Bring back our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The thing that's always stood out to me in this psalm is where it says, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. They go forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, but yet when they reap, after they're sowing, they're filled with joy. So they're sowing, they're investing, and sometimes it's a difficult investing. Sometimes it's a difficult investment. Sometimes it's something that is not easy or it's not fun during that investment period, but we know that if we invest and if we do the right things that we're going to be able to reap with joy. And that's how mom is. And we're going to learn a few things from mom today because mom is a sower. She's an investor and she does what she does from her heart. And that word sow that we hear a lot in the original text here in the Hebrew, it's the word zara. And that word means to conceive seed or to set in place or to plant or to bear. Now, who a mother is in the heart of God and her role and influence is really a type and shadow of the heart of God for us. So that's how I want us to look at this today, is that the heart of a mother is really a part of the heart of God that you and I can learn from, that we can glean from today, because she's a model to ensure that godly people continue in the earth and that God's people continue to flourish and continue to do what he's created us to do. Because in the book of Judges, if you remember a few weeks ago, I've taught 
on the book of Judges, how all of the people were worshiping God, they were loving God, they saw all the great miracles of God, and then after a certain generation passed away, there arose another generation that did not know the Lord, nor all of the mighty works that He had done for all of Israel. And that's a sad statement when you think about all the great things that God did for the nation of Israel during that time, leading them out of Egyptian captivity after they'd been asleep for 400 years. They crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. They crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground as well. That river rolled up to one side. They saw God give them countless victory after victory. We see the classic story of the walls of Jericho falling. All of those wonderful things. Moses receiving the Ten Commandments. And I know I'm kind of hit and miss on those, but you know that after all that was done, there arose a generation that did not know the Lord. Man, that's not right. (laughs) After all those things, a generation arose that did not know the Lord. Well, mom, part of her heart is to invest and make sure that those things continue, that she invests the seed, that she invests the word, that she invests the truth, that she invests that love so those things continue and only grow and only spread. Amen? Uh, So why does anybody plant anything? You know, why does anyone want to invest in something in the first place? Because they expect to see results. And you know, when we parent, we do so by faith. We parent by faith. You know, and that's not normal because parenting by faith puts me in a position where I need to trust God in His ways, not the way I was raised or what I experienced or what I think is best. I have to put that on the shelf and go, okay, I need to choose what God says, not what I think is best. If God says something is better and it's contrary to what I've experienced or what my mentality has been towards raising my children, guess what I need to do? I need to put mine to the side and I need to align my thinking with God's thinking. Amen? Because the Bible says His ways are higher than our ways, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So if God says this is the way it needs to go, then I need to trust Him that this is the way it needs to go. And that's why we parent by faith, because you know a lot of times we can't see the end result. We can't force or manipulate anyone to do exactly what we want them to do and be exactly who we want them to be. Because how many of you have found out that people will disappoint us? They will disappoint us no matter how much we try to manipulate or control. And a lot of times that's what we do. We will try to manipulate and control our spouse or we'll try to manipulate and control our friends or our coworkers or someone that we want to get to do something that we want them to do. And so we'll do whatever we can to try to get that result. But you and I need to recognize that a choice of someone's heart and the matter of someone's heart You and I cannot mess with somebody's heart in that way where we can control their desires, where we can control the outcome of their life. What can we do? We can invest and be faithful over what we've invested in. That's what we can do. We can be faithful investors. We can be faithful to what God has called us to, to the responsibilities that He has given us, whether that be children, whether that be our spouse, whether that be friends, whether that be uh, co-workers, whether that be people that we have contact with during the day. We can take those responsibilities that God has given us, and we can invest faithfully, because the one thing we cannot do is change someone's heart. Only God can change a heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Only God can change a heart. You see, I, I, I want to see my children choose to love God because they love him and they saw it modeled in front of them in their home and not just because I said so. Because there will come a time where they leave my home and all of the things that they had to do because I said so, now they have the freedom to make their own choices. And what kind of choices they're going to make is going to be determined on what I invested in their hearts. And what I showed them was the truth. Because how many of you know, so much more is caught than taught, right? 
And so when they see us living for God, when they see us loving God, when they see us trusting God, that's the bigger part of that investment is taking care of that by being the people that God has called us to be. And that's what mom has to do. Mom had to plant the right things in our lives, and then she had to care for what she planted. And in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6, we see the Apostle Paul talking about he and this other man that was, uh, that was spreading the gospel named Apollos. And this guy named Apollos was a really good speaker. Matter of fact, some even say he was better than Paul, and he had a great following, and he was just a great preacher of Jesus. And then some people were like, well, I think Paul's better. And some people were like, no, I think Apollos is better. Well, who baptized you? Did Paul baptize you or did Apollos baptize you? And Paul said, listen up, guys. He said, Apollos is great. You know, I don't have anything against him. He said, but it doesn't matter if uh, Paul or Apollos preached to you or, or led you to Christ or baptized you. He said, because, you know, we each have our part. He said, sometimes I will water that seed. And sometimes Apollos was the one that planted it. And vice versa. Sometimes I planted the seed and Apollos was the one that watered it. He said, it doesn't matter because we can't change your heart. Only God gives the increase. And that's what 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 says. says, God gives the increase. Some plant some water, but God gives the increase because planting and sowing isn't just enough. You have to care for what you planted. That's why that you can't just send your kids to church and hope that the church raises them for you. Amen. <laughs> That's why you can't do that. You can't just drop your kids off and go, oh, why is my kid acting like, you know, this? Oh, something must be wrong with the church. No, listen, let me tell you a story. I was a youth pastor for seven years and one of the churches that I was a youth pastor at, um, I had this kid in my youth group. And this is, this is as seven years, he's that kid. God bless him. That kid. And, um, you know, just like if you've ever taught Sunday school or you've ever been a school teacher or dealt with children, you remember that kid, right? Come on, y'all don't even act like that. Y'all know who I'm talking about. That kid, you're thinking about him right now. This kid, oh, I loved him. And I wanted to see his salvation of his soul. <laughs> um, and this kid, let me tell you, something we did in our youth group to, as a fundraiser, and we did, I was the fundraising king, believe me, man. I, I've, every fundraiser you've ever thought of, I've done it. And uh, I ran fireworks stands um, in Oklahoma. We did that for four years. We ran fireworks stands, and they were, we were real successful because in three days, we would make like $30,000. And I mean, that's what we would clear. We would, we, I'm telling you, we, we made some money um, doing some fundraising. And, uh, and, and so but after the fundraising was over, you know, we had all these um, fireworks to go put back up. And we had thousands and thousands of dollars worth of fireworks. And we had a bunch left over. The markup on fireworks is ridiculous. That's why I can't buy fireworks, because I know how much they really cost. Oh, man, if we could make 30 grand in just a few days, I mean, good grief. But anyways, that's not what I'm preaching on today. Um, uh, this kid, uh, you know, he loved fireworks. Oh, good Lord. How come that kid, you know, he, he wanted to get some fireworks so bad. Pastor Derek, can I have these? Can I have these? Sure, Brad, you can have these. You can have those. And so he, his favorite were the underwater dynamite. And um, that you, you, you know, the ones with the coated fuse that you could light and you could actually throw in water and they would actually blow up in the water. It wouldn't cancel the fuse out when you threw it in water. And so Brad had packs and packs of underwater dynamite because it was not hot seller that year. And I'd always give away the stuff that wasn't hot sellers when we were done. And so Brad has all this underwater dynamite and a few other things. Well, he goes and asks his dad, who was a board member in the church, by the way. Um, uh, he, he asks his dad, 
he said, uh, he said, Dad, uh, can I go pop some fireworks? And his dad says, no, we're going to the lake this weekend and you can do it then, but you're not doing it because they lived in a you know, residential neighborhood, you know, a little uh, you know, suburban type area. And he said, we're not going to pop fireworks outside. And, you know, it's, and so anyways, uh, Brad got mad at his dad for not letting him go pop fireworks. So Brad says, hmm, I got this underwater dynamite. And he got thinking, as he did often. And he said, I could throw these guys in the toilet and blow these things up. And he did. And he threw this underwater dynamite in the toilet, and the toilet just blows up. I mean, he threw just a bunch of them in there at one time, blew the toilet up, didn't work like he thought it would work. Guess who gets the phone call? The youth pastor gets the phone call, and I get ripped up and down. And you want to know what the dad says to me? He says, if you were really preaching the word to those kids and teaching them, they wouldn't be acting like that. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, I've got your kid for maybe one hour a week if he comes that week even. I said, you've got your kid the rest of the time. I said, I'm here to partner with you. I'm not here to do this for you. You see, we need to realize that we have to care for the seed. We have to care for the things that we've been made responsible of because if we want deep roots to grow in our children or anything that we've invested in in our lives, we have to take care of the seed. That means we don't neglect responsibility and pass it off to someone else. Amen, somebody. That means parents, that means that your kids don't need a buddy, they need a parent. Oh, say it slow so you can say it some more, preacher. Preach on. <laughs> kind of Mother's Day message is this? That means sometimes some of the decisions that you make for your children will make them mad. <laughs> I can't stand it if my kids don't like me. You see, we've gotten into this affirmation thing where we want our kids to like us and accept us, and so we try to be their friend instead of be their parent because we really make it about us. And that's where we make a lot of mistakes. But you see, one of the things that we need to learn from what a godly mother is and what a godly father should be is that mom had to plant the right things in our lives. And then she had to care for what she planted. You, you remember when we read Psalm 126, sowing in tears, you will reap in joy. It's not always easy during the sowing times. Some parents of teenagers or grown children will say amen, right? That sometimes, you know, sowing in those lives, sometimes it's difficult. And it doesn't matter whether it's children, it doesn't matter if it's relationships, it doesn't matter if it's finances or what it is, the principle is still the same. Sowing is not always easy because sowing, between the sowing and the harvest, there's always that waiting period where we have to care for what we have sown. We have to care for by watering and making sure it's nurtured, making sure it has the right sunlight, make sure it's in the right temperature, making sure it's taken care of. And there's that time where we're waiting because we can't make anything grow and we can't bring about a harvest. Only God can do that. That's why the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. You see, it's God who brings about the harvest. It's God who raises us up. It's God who causes things to grow. It's you and I who are supposed to be responsible to care for the seed. Amen? Amen. And see, and that's how this things work. You know, mothers are selfless, and that's why they will pay that price. That's why they will sow in tears, because they know they're going to reap in joy if they do the things that God wants them to do and has called them to do and has set forth in His Word because He's setting them up on a path of success. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. I've had this little frame on my desk for probably 10 
12 years, I, I heard this, this saying, and, and it just gripped my heart. And so I typed it out, and I put it in a frame, and it's been on my desk everywhere that I've been since then. And that saying says, it's by a man named Eugene Habaker. He says this, the true leader serves. He serves people. He serves their best interests. And in doing so, may not always be popular. He may not always impress but because true leaders are motivated by concern rather than personal glory, they are willing to pay the price. And I think about that all the time, especially when it comes to difficult decisions in my life, when it comes to difficult decisions as a pastor or as a leader, that, you know, leaders serve the best interests of people. And because of that, they may not always be popular. They may not always impress people, but they're not motivated by personal glory. So that's the factor that causes them to be willing to pay the price. And that's what moms do. That's what leaders do. That's what people who are caring for things that they've invested in, people who hold responsibility, that's what they do. They do what they need to do for what is best for who they're caring for. And not necessarily always the easy road or the popular thing or the thing that will always be impressive. Oh, look at them. Look at that. Wow. Oh, aren't they great? No. You see, sometimes it means making difficult decisions. Sometimes it means sowing in tears you'll reap in joy. That's what it means. And that's what mom has shown us. That's what we can learn from mothers. You see, because the more we grow, the more we understand, the more responsibility that we receive. The more we grow, the more responsibility we receive. And what that means is the more mature that you and I become in the Lord by growing in the understanding of His Word and of His love and of His mercy and of His truth, then the more responsibility we receive, not the other way around. You see, a lot of times we think that freedom means less responsibility. When we hear that word freedom, we think, yay, I don't have to do anything. But actually, let me show you something in the book of John in the 8th chapter. John chapter 8. And we refer to this scripture quite often, as most do. John 8 and 31, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? It'll set you free. You see, you've heard it so much. You know, we understand that scripture. You'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. We say things like that, but, but I want us to back up for a minute. I want us to read really what was going on here. You see, in verse 31, it says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, you see, he's already talking to a group of people who are trusting in him, who already trust what he's about to say. And that's the first key that you and I have to have as we grow in our understanding of God, as we grow in our walk with him, is that we have to grow in trust. We have to believe what he says. And because we believe what he says, what happens next? He says, if you abide in my word, that word abide means to continually stay, continually live in my word. If the things that I say that are alive, they are healthier flesh, all of these things that I'm going to speak to you, all of these things you're going to hear, all these things you read about me, all of these things that I put in my word uh, that are about me, when you continue in those things, then you are my disciples or you are a disciplined follower of me. And then you're going to know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Because the, the reason you know the truth and the reason that truth sets you free is because you put yourself in a position to be able to continue to grow. And the more you grow, the more you grow in understanding of freedom. Because here's the thing. When Christ made you free, he made you free. Okay? 
And that's it. When he saved you, he saved you. When he forgave you, he forgave you. That's the end of the story. The problem is, is that there is a block in between the actual freedom that Christ paid for and gave us and our way of thinking. And we have to grow in our understanding and we have to grow in our trust so we can actually experience the things that Christ bought and paid for on the cross. And there's this roadblock of all of this junk that's been built up in our lives based on our experience, based on uh, bad teaching, based on bad experiences, based on all of these things that maybe the way we were raised that are a roadblock as we grow in our understanding. And as this stuff starts to kind of just break away and we begin to see clearer and clearer and clearer this picture of God's grace and His truth and His mercy and His word and our understanding of just how big He is and how free He actually made us, it sets us free. And the Bible says that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. You're really free because it's not a freedom you did. It's not a freedom you earned or something you accomplished. You realize it's all about Jesus. But you grow in that. And the more you grow in that, you begin to understand the responsibility that you and I have been given of this word of God, of this gospel message, of this truth of Jesus Christ. Because the more I grow, the more responsible I become. The more responsible I become, the more I grow and become a better model. You see, that means that, you know, just like the John Maxwell saying, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. I know a lot of really good things that I could sit down and talk to you about. But at the end of the day... It's going to be who I am, not what I say, right? Because our actions definitely always speak louder than our words, as the old adage says. But the thing is, is that you and I have to continually grow in that understanding of Christ so we can understand that freedom, and it positions us to become that model. It positions us to become a better influence, to have stronger influence, to be able to carry more responsibility, to be able to love and invest in more people, and to be able to be there for them and love them just like mom did. You see, moms will give to their children in spite of their own need because she's selfless when it comes to her responsibility. You see, she would prefer her responsibility over herself, and that's the heart that causes us to want to invest, to want to inconvenience ourselves to love someone, to want to inconvenience ourselves to be able to do something for someone else that's not normal. You know, what, you know why that's not normal? Because normal accepted human tendencies are towards us caring for only what we want. And only doing what makes us happy. And we think that if I do that, that somehow that's going to be, you know, this, this great feeling. That I can just do whatever I want that makes me happy. If it feels good, do it. If it makes me happy, it makes sense. Okay, let's go ahead and spend that money. Let's go ahead and do this. Let's do that because it makes me feel good. And folks, that's not how we're supposed to live our lives. That's not what we learn from mom because mom is showing us the heart of God. How many times, mom, did you want to eat that last bit of chips in the bag but your greasy-faced little child come up to you and say, Mama, I want some chips. And you're like, I want these chips. But the heart of a mom would go, you know what, here you go. You can have these chips. Why? Because mom preferred her children over herself. And that's exactly the heart of God that he wants us to learn from mom, that he wants us to have in our hearts. And we grow and we understand that responsibility. We understand it's not about us. We understand it's actually about showing the love of God to others because when we love God, it causes us to love people and it causes us to serve. Amen? You see, our normal human tendencies will want to lean towards what we want, but mom understands that her responsibility, uh, because she takes ownership over that seed. That's the difference. Mom owns the seed. 
And that's why she reaps in joy. Because mom takes ownership over the seed. This is my baby. This is my seed. This, and, and, and let me tell you something, folks. When we take a responsibility over what God has called us to, it changes things. It changes how we interact. It changes how we treat one another. When we take ownership, listen, when you take ownership over the fact that God has put you in the job that you're in and there are people that need to be reached for the cause of Christ, when you take ownership over that, it changes the way you see those people who talk down to you. It changes the way that you view others because now you see it as a mission instead of just a means to provide for your family. Now you take ownership over those people. You will be willing to intercede and to pray. You will be able to wear holes in your jeans, getting down on your knees, praying for those people. Why? What's the difference? You've taken ownership over the cause. You've taken ownership over the fact that you're caring for someone else. And that's the heart of God that mothers show us. As that the heart of God will care for others, will take ownership, will take responsibility. Maybe that will be over that family member or that friend. Or maybe it'll be, like I said, over, over your job or, or, or over a, a certain area. And God wants you to just own that. And when we do that, sure, we're going to sow in tears sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's not always an easy thing. But because we're motivated by concern rather than personal glory, we're willing to pay the price. Because we're motivated by our concern and what God has put in our heart. Rather than our personal glory, we're willing to pay the price. Now, I know that all over this nation today and all over the world, probably, on Mother's Day, where it's celebrated, that many pastors are going to open up their message like this. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. Let's turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. And we're going to read about the virtuous woman. And you know, like I said, I try to shake things up try to make things a little different, not follow the normal path, you know, try to do something a little different. So turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 31. <laughs> I tried to stay away, but I simply could not. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 28. Actually, you can read this whole chapter if you would like. It's, it's just a great chapter. Proverbs chapter 31 and verse 28 says this about this woman, this virtuous woman. says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Her children actually rise up and call her blessed. So this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about my mom. And I want to thank her for being a model in my life. And I want to rise up in front of all of you. And I want to call her blessed, just as the scripture said. Because I had a great model as a mother. Because I remember every day in our living room that mom would always pray with us. Every day. I mean, even when we had friends spend the night. Oh my gosh. I was like, mom, can we skip, you know, the prayer time today? Mom wouldn't let us do it. 
Mom would always go through some type of devotional book with us. I remember going through books like The Blood Covenant, Daily Devotions with Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. I remember Mom would teach us how to pray, and she would put scriptures up in the bathroom on little index cards, and she would always surround us with the Word of God. I remember when we would get in the car that we were listening to, you know, uh, kids singing tapes, you know, uh, singing praise and worship. I, I don't know if any of you parents or any of you uh, younger adults remember Salty the Psalm book. Maybe you were raised with that or the Donut Man and all that good stuff. I was raised with all that stuff in the car all the time, and mom was always putting something like that on, and we were always surrounded with worship and always surrounded with, you know, godly things. I remember that uh, my mom made sure we never missed church, even when we lived over 30 miles away from the church, and even when my dad, um, when my dad, he actually left for four years to go off and travel and work, and I only saw him a handful of times in that four years, and that was during my teenage years, and my mom made sure that we never missed church, and we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Tuesday night prayer, and buddy, I made every single one of them. Why? Because mom was showing me what was important. Mom was being a model. Did I ever groan and complain? (laughs) Yes. Absolutely I did. Did I ever not want to go? Did I ever try to fake sick so I didn't have to go? Absolutely. Absolutely. I came up with some crazy concoctions that I thought was going to make me not feel good. And so I did all kinds of stuff, man, because I wanted to play video games. I wanted to, you know, do whatever. And there were times where I tried to come up with stuff, and, but mom saw right through all that. And she did that. I'll tell you what else she did. She was careful with what she allowed in our homes to influence us. My mom was very careful with what she allowed in our homes, what she allowed on the television, what she allowed on the radio. Um, she was very careful with what conversations happened in our homes. She was very careful with things that we were exposed to and what conversations we were allowed to be a part of or hear because she wanted to make sure that we were protected. She took care of her investment. And I call her blessed today for that, and I thank her for that because she did that because she was taking care of the seed. She was taking care of the seed that she had been given. She took responsibility. She took ownership over it. And that's what God wants every one of us to do. Take ownership over the seed, over this word of God, over this truth. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with this word? What are we going to do with all these teachings that you come in and hear week after week? What are we going to do when we have been given this opportunity to accept this responsibility as the church, as the body of Christ, to go out and love others, to love God and love people and serve the world? What are we going to do with that when we hear these things that stir us up, that move us to want to go and do something more than just simply come to church and just be another name that gets checked off or that we just punch in and punch out for our religious obligation? What, what, how do we take that next step? What do we do? We have to take this word of God and we have to put it into action in our everyday lives and begin to care not only about our own walk and ourselves, but begin to care about others. Amen? Amen. And when we do that, it begins to change something in our heart when we take ownership over that seed, over that opportunity. When we take ownership over it, yeah, we may reap in joy, and yeah, it may be difficult for a while, but let me tell you, it is worth the investment. So let me ask you this today. Who are you investing in? What has been invested in you? And what responsibility has God given you that it's time for you to take ownership of? What responsibility has God given you that it's time for you to take ownership of? It's time for us to rise up and be those men and women of God that He's calling us to be because it's in you. It's been invested in you. If you've never heard any other sermon other than this one today, this is the first time you've ever been in church, ever heard a sermon in your life, guess what? You have God's holy word that has been invested in you.
and that's a seed. And you need to take ownership over that. You need to take ownership over that seed and you need to take it and do something with it in your life. God will speak to your heart and tell you what that next step is for you personally. And if we as a church can help you take that step, buddy, we want to help you. Because I believe that it's worth it, that sowing in tears, reaping in joy, that that's what God has called us to do, to be investors, to be those people that care, those people that love. Amen? Amen. Because our mothers are models. So somebody today needs to call their mama or look across the aisle, tell their mama that she's a model. Amen? Amen. Amen. Remember when I was a baby? <laughs> Whatever I ate was what you wanted to eat. When I slept was when you slept. When I woke up, you wanted to wake up too. Is it because you want to copy me? Remember when I cried because that boy didn't want to play with me? You cried too, and you weren't even there. But when I laugh, you like to laugh. Even when I have homework, you do homework. You aren't even in school, Mom. When I want to ride my bike, you always want to ride your bike, even though you go kind of slow. Remember when I broke my arm? You said it broke your heart. See? We both broke something. When I get sleepy at night, you seem sleepy, too. And when I get in bed, you always want to say prayers with me. And then you want to scratch my back. When you leave, you go get in your bed, too. Mom, I'm starting to think you want to be just like me. Because you always do things I do. But it's okay. Because I like it. Happy Mother's Day. Or Happy Mother and Son's Day. In case you want to share that too. <laughs> How about a hand clap for the moms again? Moms, you're awesome. I'll tell you what, let's do, let's do this. I want you to take a second to think about all the things that your mom did for you, all the, and, and just like in that video, how you see uh, the little boy, he said, and when I go to bed, you go to bed too, when the truth is mom's picking up all the things that the little boy did throughout the day. So many things unseen that we have no clue. I know I call my mom today and say, I have no idea everything you've done. Why don't you think about that for your mom for a second and think about just how awesome our moms are. And with that, I want the moms to stand up and let's really give them a hand clap for what they've done. So moms, stand up. If you're a mom in here, stand up today. All the moms, stand up. Thank you so much. We say thank you for all the times that we didn't even know there needed to be a thank you. Thank you for everything that you've done. We're so thankful that you all came today on this Mother's Day, and we're thankful to have you here. Wasn't that a good message? Mother's Day message, but...